there, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of E Pluribus Unum. I want to start off today by talking about an article that a friend shared with me last week. It's from the website Book Riot, and the author is Mikaka Overstreet. I'm not sure if it's a man or a woman writing. I don't remember. Anyway, the title of the article is Six Plus Books to Teach You About Judaism in parentheses, so your Jewish friends don't have to. And the author is not Jewish. She is a Christian, and she compiled this list of books that non-Jews could use to learn about Judaism. And her reason for it is because, as she says, just as it is not the responsibility of people of color to teach white people about racism or for queer people to educate the straights, it is not on Jewish people to enlighten us Christians. She does say that she asked some Jewish people to look at the list before publishing, but still her premise is that it is important for people to learn about different cultures, but it's not the responsibility of the culture to teach about themselves. Now, I want to come back to the topic of responsibilities, but before we do that, I want to talk about the rest of her article. So my friend sent it to me, and when I first got it, I couldn't get past the opening paragraph because it is so absurd. The idea that it's not the responsibility of Jews to teach other people about Judaism. But I forced myself to read the rest of it and then found out it's even more absurd than I first thought. So in the second paragraph, Overstreet comments that she's heard enough about how the United States is a Christian nation to know that some people do not understand the U.S. and we need to work on our religious tolerance. And then she says that the United States has the largest Jewish population in the world outside of Israel. Here's the thing. The United States is a Christian nation, but if you want to be exact, we're a Judeo-Christian nation. However, that does not mean that the government sponsors a religion or that the government is a particular religion or one religion is favored over the other. What it means that we are a Judeo-Christian nation is two things. First of all, that our laws and our way of governing and our culture is influenced by Judeo-Christian values. And the second thing is that the majority of the population, I think still is, and definitely was at one point, Christian. That doesn't mean that we don't have religious tolerance or freedom of religion. It just means that the majority of people here are Christian. Also, while it is true that the United States has the largest Jewish population in the world outside of Israel, the Jewish population in the U.S. is still a tiny little fraction. According to the Jewish Virtual Library, which is a website that has a variety of Jewish books and learning and classes, the total Jewish population in the United States is 7,153,065. So while that still is the second largest in the world, compared to the United States total population of, what are we now, 300 million? It's tiny. So the United States is a Christian nation in its culture and in, in the way that some of our government works. The idea that we have appellate courts comes from how the judicial system was set up in the Torah. The fact that we have laws against murder come from the Ten Commandments or against theft. On our Liberty Bell, there is a line from Leviticus, proclaim liberty throughout the land. So there are 
Christian and Jewish influences, and certainly there were more Christians at, at all times through United States history than Jews, because there are more Christians throughout the world. And coming to the New World was a result of religious persecution of certain Christians in Europe, which is why they made their way here. So we are a Christian nation. It doesn't mean that people aren't free to practice whatever religion they want. And should be encouraged to practice their own faith, but we are a Christian nation. Something else that struck me, though it's interesting, she only did it a couple of times. She wrote the word folks, F-O-L-X, as opposed to F-O-L-K-S. Now, I don't know if that is some way of being more inclusive gender-wise, but considering the fact that folks spelled normally already is inclusive because it doesn't have to do with one gender or the other, I don't really understand why we have to respell it with an X to indicate that. She's also writing this specifically to Christians, which I find interesting, though maybe it's because she's Christian, but it's interesting because from the perspective of a Jew, I don't really make a differentiation between Christians and others in terms of people who need to learn about Judaism. If people want to learn about Judaism, it's people who aren't Jewish, or some of these people who are Jewish. You might be born Jewish and not know a lot. And even if you know a lot, there's always more to learn. Welcome to Judaism and welcome to life. There's always more to learn. I don't think there's a particular need for Christians to learn more about Judaism. In fact, when it comes to friends of the Jews, devout Christians generally top that list these days. Certainly that wasn't always true throughout history, was often not true throughout history. But today, especially in the United States, Christians who are really devoted to their their faith and Jews who are very devoted to theirs that actually tend to get along the best. So, no, I don't really have a problem with any of the books that she recommended. The only one that I recognized is Joseph Telushkin's Jewish Literacy, which I would absolutely agree should be on a list of six basic books to learn about Judaism because that's what Telushkin is great about. So that book absolutely should be on the list. She also has one, Essential Judaism by George Robinson. I don't know anything about that book, so I can't comment on it, but it's supposed to also be essential and an overview. She does, however, include one of the top three is The Colors of Jews, Racial Politics and Radical Diasporism by Melanie K. Kantrowitz. I don't know if I'm recommending the top six books to understand Judaism. I don't know if Jews of various races and colors would be essential basic reading. Certainly not number two, maybe number six if it's something about understanding Jews today, but I would think there would be more foundational books like Paul Johnson's History of the Jews, for instance, or Dennis Prager and Joseph Telushkin's Why the Jews, or actually just put all of Joseph Telushkin's books on there, or any, I mean, the Torah is not on here, Maimonides' Guide for the Perplexed, there are no ancient texts on here, which one would think would be at the top of a list for someone who wants to learn about Judaism. She's also very clear to let us know that she apologizes that most of the writers are white, but she also includes some Jews of color who write about fiction. But the basic type books that she was looking for are mostly white. So it's a very short article, actually. And I guess the main issue I had with it is this idea that Jews should not need to teach their non-Jewish friends about Judaism. That really rankled me, and it rings really false. Whatever religion or race or gender or ethnicity or age or whatever we are, we're going to understand ourselves best and our community best. There are hundreds of thousands, millions of other communities in the world that we are not going to understand or be exposed to. And while it is good to be curious about others and do our best 
to learn about others. It is the responsibility of people to share about themselves. We can't expect people to understand our culture if we're not the ones sharing it. And frankly, actually, this whole article, I think, is based on a very shaky premise because she says it's not up to Jews to teach about Judaism, except the book's she recommends are written by Jews. So she's still relying on Jews to teach about Judaism. The only thing she's taking away is the human element. So what she's saying is don't ask your friend about Judaism, go to Google instead. And that's actually, for me, the biggest problem because we should teach about our own culture to other people and we do have a responsibility, but there's also something to be said about people taking an interest in other cultures and wanting to do their own research. And one might not have any close Jewish friends or co-workers that one can ask and might want to learn about Judaism anyway. However, in her way of doing things, we completely eliminate the human element. Instead of asking a friend, can you tell me about this kosher thing? Or how do you celebrate Hanukkah? You go to Google. I just think it's so much better to talk directly to a person instead of to go online or even to a book. And even if the book is great, if one has the opportunity to talk to a person instead of a book, one should take it for so many reasons. Firstly, if you go, if one goes to a book, it's easy to draw the wrong conclusions. I'm Jewish. I love Judaism, but we have a lot of interesting customs. If one just reads a book about the customs, one might think, wow, those Jews are weird. But if one asks a friend about the customs, then they're relating these weird customs to a person they actually know. So instead of otherizing Judaism, it makes it less weird because, oh, this person I know does this custom. So that's just how they live. And it's just a little bit different from me. But you're not taking Judaism to be this very foreign other. So one could easily draw the wrong conclusions. You can't have a conversation with a book, but you can have a conversation with a person. So you can ask a person how they celebrated Hanukkah and there can be follow-up questions. You can't have conversations with a book. And it could be that one's Jewish friend might not have the answer. A lot of non-Jews ask about kosher. They think that it has to do with food being blessed by a rabbi. But I think a lot of Jews who don't keep kosher might not know entirely what kosher is. And that's fine. But non-Jew asks their Jewish friend about kosher and the friend doesn't know. Hopefully the Jewish friend says, oh, I don't know. Let's look at it together. And then that's still opportunity for discussion. Maybe they go to Google together and, you know, type in kosher and they come up, they find the Orthodox Union's explanation of kosher or Chabad.org or some other reliable website. The point is it allows for conversation and allows for human interaction. And not just over the past eight, nine, ten months, whatever it's been that we've been limited in our human interaction because of COVID, but in general, there's such a breakdown in society of people not getting along with others who disagree. Shouldn't we be finding as many opportunities as possible to interact with others and to have conversations and to understand instead of going to books and the internet. And I love books, and there's so much to be learned from books. I'm not disregarding what one can learn. What I am disregarding is this woman's premise that it's not the responsibility of people to teach, and therefore that people shouldn't be asking questions of other people, but that they should be going to books. It is the responsibility of people to teach about themselves. How else are people going to learn about you? Going back to the fact that her whole premise is flawed because all of her books are written by Jews because that was Jews saying the world needs to understand us better so I'm going to write books or you know creating characters in TV shows that are Jewish and it's the same for any culture people decide to write books or plays or movies 
or give lectures or whatever the thing is because people don't know about them and they want to share their culture. That's normal. We can't know every culture or understand every person's perspective or point of view. We should do our best to understand when presented with it, but how can we be presented with it if they don't present for themselves? And by the way, I don't think it's just the responsibility of the quote minority cultures to represent themselves and to explain themselves to the majority culture. It's also the responsibility of the majority culture to explain themselves to the minority culture. Now, it might be easier for the majority culture to do it because there are so many books and movies and TV shows and speakers and people at work and the majority culture is all around. Just because it's all around doesn't necessarily mean it's presented in the best way. I think if you or if one wants one's culture to be represented and explained and understood, then it is incumbent upon oneself to explain and not to rely upon others to explain or to assume that other people will seek out the information. I have often been the only, if not the only Jew, then the only practicing Jew in my friend groups, in high school, in college, after college, at a variety of jobs. And a lot of people would ask me questions and some people were more hesitant because they thought questions would offend me as if being asked a question is offensive. And I would always respond that I would love to answer any questions people had because I would much rather people feel comfortable asking questions than make assumptions. So much worse if people make assumptions, which is why I've never understood people who get offended by questions. People asking questions is a good thing. It means they're interested and want to know. What we should be worried about is people not asking questions because people who aren't asking questions either means they think they know everything or they're just making assumptions or they don't care to learn more, which I guess is the same as thinking they know everything. We should encourage people asking questions. I would say to anyone who's listening now, if you are some minority in your friend group or in your workplace or in your community, whether that's a minority of political thought or race or gender or religion or nation of origin, sexual preference, any of those things, if you are a minority, don't be offended by questions because people really only understand themselves. And most of us don't even really understand ourselves, but that's the most we're going to get to. People aren't going to understand you. They don't know how you think and what you feel. And the only way they're going to know that is by asking questions. And remember how teachers always said there's no such thing as a stupid question? If people are asking questions with the sincere intent to learn, be open-minded to it. Appreciate and accept the questions and answer it as honestly as possible. Be excited for the dialogue, the opportunity to educate and to share. It's It can be hard sometimes to be the minority person because then one feels like one represents one's group to the whole world. I felt like that most of my life, that I am the representation of Judaism to people who don't know anything about Jews. So I'm a little bit under a microscope and it is possible that anything I do, people will chalk up to all Jews, which is incredibly unfair because I don't represent all Jews. I represent myself. However, it is also an incredible privilege to be able to be the one who can introduce a new group or individual to your culture or religion. So if you're in that position, embrace it. It might give you the opportunity to learn more about 
your culture and you might discover things that you never knew and fall in love with it all over again, which is where I am right now. So it might be really nice for you. You might get closer to your family and community. And it's an opportunity to have a conversation with another person. And we should be seeking out opportunities for conversation and understanding. It's so important right now. Um, I really wanted to also get to the idea of rights versus responsibilities, but I realize that this is actually kind of a long episode. So I think I'll save that for another day. Thank you so much for listening. I'm really looking for some way to end each episode that isn't just thank you for listening. Not that that isn't good. There's some radio, old radio show that's in my mind and I don't know who it is, but his thing as he would end off would be be nice to each other. I want to have something similar and I don't want to just copy. On the other hand, something along those lines is a good reminder for all of us. It is what I try to remember in my daily life. So I think I'll end off with J.M. Berry's because I really like his always be a little kinder than necessary. So thank you for listening. Enjoy your week. And remember, always be a little kinder than necessary. Thank you for listening to E Pluribus Unum. I hope today's episode made you think or brought some clarity and positivity to your day. Subscribe to the show to always get the most recent episode directly to your device. Please leave a rating and a review and share the show with your family, friends, or anyone you think might benefit from a little Torah wisdom and conservative thoughts. For more of my thoughts and ideas I share from others, please follow me on Instagram at conservativejewishfemale or read my blog conservativejewishfemale.blogspot.com. The intro outro music is Chopin's Waterfall Etude. Have a great day!